Welcome to the Mortcast, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Before we get started on today's Mortcast, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Go to bfwdenver.com to get your uh, virtual wine tasting, which sometimes, you know, you got to go for a couple months out before you can schedule one. But go there now, see which dates work best for you. And if you're going to do it as a gift, better get it now uh, before, you know, obviously the holidays are here, which, you know, Christmas is Friday. Time's time's a wasting, folks. Um, But you can also do like a, uh, um, just go to bfwdenver.com and order your bottle. You know, order the 2017 Cabernet, order the, uh, which is my personal favorite, but order some Pinot, order, uh, there's, they got a couple of partnerships with some Western Slope vineyards, one's called Restoration, the other one's called Storm Cellars, uh, both of them uh, kind of specialize in blends and uh, Rieslings, if that is your bag, basically they got everything you need, you can go down and pick them up, uh, or you can have them delivered to you. Uh, in town, whatever your flavor is, they've got it for you. Blanchard Family Wines is the best in Denver. Uh, my favorite place to go get wine in Denver. And when the pandemic is over or when I get vaccinated, the first stop I'm making is at Blanchard because it's my favorite place in Denver. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazine, beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coursefield, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSGO Podcast sent you there. You can also find them at bfwdenver.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. You are on the Seven Days of Mortmas, which is the worst name I have ever come up with. Um, I was thinking about what I was sitting outside today because it's such a beautiful day. It's like 60-something out here in December. It's nice. Uh, So I was sitting outside thinking about what I'm going to, you know, talk about today. And then it occurred to me something that that, uh, a podcast I heard, I think it was The Mismatch, kind of pointed out how the NBA is kind of turning back towards big men. And I guess not in the classical back-to-the-basket big man sense. Um, But the big man is returning, and it has occurred to me something, uh, maybe a larger point has been missed here. Um... Uh, pardon me. Talking has becoming more more and more difficult for me lately because I've done so many podcasts along with a radio show. Uh, my voice is not what it used to be. <laughs> so if I clear my voice, if you hear me drinking or clearing my voice, that is why. Um, the um, Years ago, I'm talking about five years ago, maybe five, six years ago, I was at Pepsi Center. And Kiki Vandeweghe was there. Now, Kiki Vandeweghe is like a VP uh, in the league office, uh, NBA league office. I forget why he was there, but he was there for – he was probably just there just to be there. He makes the tour of all the NBA's, you know, facilities. And, of course, we know Kiki very well, former GM, former player with the Nuggets. Um, I managed to um, sneak up to him – sneak up to him (laughs) – like I was going to surprise him, but I managed to come up to him and get quickly get a question. In. And I said, like, look, I only want to know, have one question. I said, like, look, this game is so guard dominated right now. And is that because you guys altered the rules in the early 2000s to open up the game? 
Or is that because there is not enough big men, good big men? And he said, well, some of the rules are probably have something to do with it. He said, we, he said but you've got to think about something. He said, the league conforms to its best players. And when the big man comes back, the league will conform to that. And it was an interesting kind of comment that I had never really thought about before. Um, and it, traditionally, finding a big man who's dominant has been the holy grail of the NBA. It still is. Think about the Nuggets with Jokic. Um, they found a guy who, at you know six six eleven, seven feet, can uh, dominate a ga- the game in multifaceted ways, and he's a big guy who plays on the low block mostly, um, or at least on the high post, low block, high post. Um, there are ways that Jokic does it, and he does it from the big man spot, and that has completely upset the apple cart. What you're seeing now is a lot of different teams are hoping to emulate that kind of thing with Nikola Jokic. Uh, primarily, the biggest example I have with is Nikola Vucevic uh, in uh, Orlando, who happens to be buddies with Nikola Jokic. Um, they they have him, but they don't have him passing or running the offense with the uh, frequency that uh, Nikola Jokic does. I'm going to point out there that Nikola Jokic is fairly unique. Um, we have really seen a passing big man like him, um, but it it, it, it kind of got me thinking about all about all the good big men in this league, and that how teams have consistently failed to build good teams around them, and I think that leads me, and I'll talk about this in the second half of the podcast, but that leads me to believe that the NBA's reliance on analytics has created a vacuum because analytics can only uh, they don't set the curve, they improve it, okay? They maximize the curve, they don't set the curve. You can't use analytics to necessarily become innovative because that's completely wholly ta- based on the talent on your roster or in the league. But in a larger sense, and I'll be honest with you, the NBA hasn't seen classic dominating big men since the 90s. Um to put it in an even more crystallized sense, the only times we saw a matchup of of dominant big men in the center era was 94-95. You saw Elijah Wan versus Ewing, and you saw in 94, and you saw Elijah Wan versus Shaq in 95. That was it. Because the Bulls never had a dominant center. Um... The Lakers did, but the Lakers weren't. Well, I mean, you got the Lakers and with and with uh, coming up against the Celtics with uh, Robert Parrish in the '80s, but Parrish wasn't dominating. Parrish was a was the three of the big three in in uh, Boston. Um, you rarely saw this. Maybe Moses Malone versus Kareem in '83. Um, Maybe Kareem versus Wes Unseld in 1971. Um, it hasn't happened a lot. Um, the, but in the center era, which people consider the peak of the center era to coincide with the Jordan era, the late 80s into the basically mid to late 90s, was the peak of the center era. Um, 
rarely have you seen uh, such a collision of center talent. But something happened in 1998. Patrick Ewing got old. Hakeem Olajuwon got old. Uh, Shaq was entering his prime, but one of the reasons Shaq was dominating was that there wasn't a lot of great centers in the league by the time you get to the late 90s. Um, You know, the big man is so coveted, but there wasn't a lot of big men. Um, And Shaq really never had to deal with any. I mean, look look at who he played in his three finals with the Lakers, Rick Smits who by that point was basically a corpse. Um, then you have, uh, in 2001, it was Mutombo, who was basically at the downside of his career. Um, and you have, in 2002, New Jersey Nets, who really didn't play with a classic big man. They had, like, Marty Collins and, uh, you know, guys like that. They met, and not maybe not Marty. It was Jason Collins, and one of those guys. But they, it's just they weren't playing with a big man. They 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 weren't not they weren't playing with a classic dominant center. That rarely happened because there's so few of them. It, it takes a long time for centers to develop. You got to get right footwork. You got to get your moves down. Ewing had the drop step. Uh, Elijah Wan had the dream shake and a lot of these guys developed their, their moves in college and then refined them once they got to the league but by 2003 basically it was done Tim Duncan is not a center do not classify him as a center he was never a center he may have played it later in his career but he is not a center he was a power forward um, Tim Duncan was a big man but he was not a center I'm talking about centers. But that that the evolution of the position was a lot of a lot of really necessitated by of course them not understanding and knowing how to officiate Shaquille O'Neal. Uh and the Shaquille O'Neal is the only person I've said this in I know your history back like, you know January of last year. Shaquille O'Neal is the only player I can think of where they made altered moves to make him less dominant. That's that's I can't, if you can think of another one, let me know. Because <clears throat> I, 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 I can't think of another one. I can't think of another player who they altered, the fundamentally altered the game and changed it to allowing zone defense so they could make him less dominant. It's amazing. But through that evolution, you got Pau Gasol, who is, you know, not your traditional big man. And a lot of it was pushed out. Um, you had Gasol. He came in in 2001, but he wasn't a dominant big man. He was very much in the classical European sense. Um, Dirk Nowitzki was not, a, not really a center. He was a perimeter player who had a great signature move that allowed him to dominate in different ways. You know, of course, I was talking about Tim Duncan and his bank shot. Um, and outside of that, I mean, the Lakers won two titles with Andrew freaking Bynum as their center. Andrew Bynum. And this is the Andrew Bynum who was out of the league two years after uh, <laughs> two years after Phil Jackson retired in, in 2011. Think about that. Uh, the big man has been scarce and hasn't been around. So the league has conformed to the lack of centers. 
in the league. And because, because finding those guys, finding the right guy, is really hard. When we come back from DraftKings Read, I'm going to talk to you about how the NBA analytics revolution is far behind the burgeoning center revolution. Now I'd like to talk to you about DraftKings. Feels like just yesterday the Los Angeles Lakers were lifting basketball's most coveted prize. Since then we have introduced a new class of professional basketball player through the draft and seen and seen a few marquee names which luckily for us sports fans DraftKings we have seen a few marquee teams. Period. Luckily for us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is here to kick off the 2021 basketball season with a no-brainer for all new customers and existing. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a plus 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. That's right. All you have to do is bet on any opening night game, and if your team doesn't lose by more than 75 points, you will double your money. This Saturday, there will be an endless amount of action to get in on, so don't wait. Head on over to the app now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up and get a plus 75-point spread on the opening night for your shot to double your money. That's code MHS to get a shot at doubling your money on opening night. For a limited time, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The big man has been a contentious subject for NBA analytics people. And I don't think it's... I think it's... My theory about it is that none of the analytics revolution has been able to account for a good center. Think about what we have had since then, right? Look at uh, Jahil Okafor coming into the league. He was, he, he was the third pick in the draft. A guy who can score, but he came in with flaws, big-time flaws. And, you know, he's kind of uh, been muddling on the bench since he was drafted. Um... Things didn't start going in a big man direction until 2014. 2014, well, unless you want to include the 2013 draft, which was uh, which featured Rudy Gobert. Um, and Rudy Gobert is in the Dikembe Mutombo mold. Okay, center, defensive center first, anchor of your defense. Uh, those guys are extremely valuable. So let's, let's go to 13. Rudy Gobert kind of was the harbinger of a shift. 14 draft, Embiid, Jokic, right? Following draft, 2014, Carl Anthony Towns. You have big men who are coming into this league, and this year we've got James Wiseman, you know. We've got guys who are big guys who are skilled, who you can anchor your team around. Uh, year before last, DeAndre Ayton, right? What has happened is the analytics revolution is still stuck in pace and space, and the league is drafting more big men. And I'm seeing it, and it's interesting to think about how 
much the analytics, NBA analytics, is dragging behind the trends of the NBA. As more and more big men, specifically centers, are coming into the league, right? And if anything, there was this push to get smaller in the league. If anything, we've gotten bigger. Wings have gotten bigger, right? Uh, you want your two, your two guard to be at least 6'7 now, right? That's why Gary Harris is often at a disadvantage at his position, and he's left guarding, guarding point guards. Um, you know, even your point guards, look, the ball's out of their hands a lot and being driven by guys like LeBron James and Nikola Jokic and uh, 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 Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, you got, you, got, you got the difference now is that the NBA is getting bigger. At the same time, you've got centers coming into the league who are skilled, both skilled, and they are also creating a, to use an Adam Mahrez-ism, um, they're creating their own gravity, and the NBA analytics revolution is lagging behind. And it is the thing that it is not accounting for. Now they could say, well, no, the numbers put out this sort of thing. Well, what's happening is that so many teams put out the exaggerated spacing. I mean, if you, any of you saw any of the bubble games and you saw, uh, say, Houston with their five-out um, game with no center. You understood two things. Yay, the NBA had become a funhouse mirror, <coughs> which I've always complained about. Uh, the NBA's last several years, it just looks warped. It doesn't look right to the eye because there's so many players playing above the three-point line. It's just it's weird to look at. Uh, if you look at any of the old, say look at you look at Shaq's 1999-2000 season, and see how everything's packed in, and then you see now where everything is spread out, you would think that they are playing two completely different games. That's how exaggerated it's become, and I think both both extremes are lead to boring basketball. Right? And this isn't about shooting threes. This is about the NBA analytics emphasizing wings and point guards. And the league is slowly shifting towards big men again. Not even slowly. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's fast. You're noticing this with big men being emphasized, coming in from the draft. And what this is doing is it's creating a weird vortex of unaccountability. Not unaccountability. Uh, unaccounted for great skills that take a while to be emphasized because everything is focused towards uh, maximizing space for the wing player, right? Or uh, shooting the most efficient three. That's not going to go away, folks, right? But the more skill you get at the, at the center position, the more the league will evolve towards that. See what I'm saying? And this isn't old guy talk. This is, this is what's happening, folks. This <laughs> This, the league is going this direction. You're seeing more and more highly drafted up there in the lottery big men coming into the league, right? Uh, now I'm discounting Marvin Bagley and some of those, some of those mistakes that have been made by uh, teams. But even look at Yusuf Nurkic, right? 
Yusuf Nurkic is a highly skilled big man who's perfect for Portland. I mean, aside from his difficulties right now with the with the Blazers, he's perfect for Portland when the way they play. A guy who can pass, bruise, grab gobble re- rebounds, score twenty points, grab thirteen rebounds, and dish about three four assists a game. That is that is his role. That and he's very good at that when he is on and when he is focused. Well, think about from. 2003 to 2014-15, how many centers did you have to do that? Even Andrew Bogut, who was drafted number one by the Milwaukee Bucks in like 2005, he was not as good as the, as the centers who are coming in now, right? And thinking of that... And thinking about how there was this giant gap, what it did was it caused, caused, and this is my theory, caused all analytics to focus on wings, space, because you don't have skilled revolutionary big men. I don't consider Chris Stapp's Porzingis part of this. Porzingis is different. Porzingis is a wing player, much like I, I put him in the same thing as I do Manute Bowl. These are wing players who just happen to be enormous. Uh, Chris Stapps is 7'3", Bull Bull's 7'2". These are guys who are just, they're just tall wing players. But I'm talking about actual big men. And they're out there, and they're coming into the league. And it's interesting to see how much NBA analytics is only still focused on not accounting and maximizing the skills of the people who can dominate like this. And I think that is where Nikola Jokic has changed the game. Uh, more than any player recently who has come in. Nikola Jokic has altered the game and altered the way that you have to account for someone. And I think it's it's slow for analytics to catch up on it, and it's been slow for NBA analysts to catch up on. But I, you, start, you start seeing it kind of turn right now, and it'll get there. It'll get there. All right, before my voice completely gives out, uh, I'd like to say thank you for joining me on the latest Mortcast, and we'll be back soon for another one in the seven days of Mortmas. Goodbye.